So today's reading is Psalm 56. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are hot in pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape in your anger, God. Bring the nations down. Record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back. When I call for help, by this I will know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Thank you, darling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So, Happy New Year. How did your Christmas go? Yeah, good. Mine went as I expected. You know, we talk, I talked about it about a month ago. I said, you know, a bit of excess food, a bit of excess alcohol. And I'm definitely, my trousers are a bit tighter right now. And, and it's going to take probably till Easter till I get back to the, the way I should be. Um, I don't know whether you saw, you saw me up on that earlier. I am astounded because I don't see the back of my head. Obviously, there's no hair there. And I'm like, oh, my word. I knew I was a bit bald, but oh, well, yeah. Anyway, it just is. How many New Year's resolutions have you made? <laughs> and how many are still going on day two? <laughs> well, I did. I made, you know, I'll eat less sugar. Of course, my, mine's one of these that, that I, you know, I'll do it later sort of ones because... Inevitably, over Christmas, you get presents, don't you? We've got chocolates and stuff. And we had friends around yesterday. We had my brother and his, uh, and his wife and his, uh, around yesterday. And inevitably, I ate too much chocolate and too much pudding and all of that. So mine's already gone. And we ignore it, don't we? But my experience of that is that I usually manage about a week or so, and then they're conveniently just forgotten. Yeah? Is that your experience of New Year's resolutions? I think there's an element of it, by the time it gets to there, I'm feeling so guilty, it's kind of, I'm better just to forget it, yeah? As a team, we got together a few weeks ago, and we talked about what we felt would be appropriate for a theme for the year, and what goals we might set for this coming year. And they're a lot like New Year's resolutions, apart from that we do look at them again as the year progresses rather than ignore them and feel guilty. Many years, things take over and they just get forgotten, much like our New Year's resolutions. And other years, we rejoice in the fact that actually we achieved one or two of our goals that we set at the beginning of the year. 
or maybe more than that. But of course, this is all in God's hands, isn't it? And we hold that lightly. Often when, we come, when we're looking at things like that, it's our plans. And we pray and we, and we bring it to God. But obviously, ultimately, it's his plans that, that work out and, and not ours. So this year, how many remember the theme for this year? Sorry, I'm, we're in 22. Last year, let's get it right. What was the theme for last year? Yeah, we're doing well. Well, one of you remembered anyway. <laughs> changing world, changing times, unchanging God. Yeah? And we've lived that, have we not? That God is unchanging, we can still trust in him. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But we have seen God deliver on one of our bigger goals for last year. And that was that we wanted to see a pastoral worker come and join our team. Uh, and you've all hopefully met and got to know a little bit already. Uh, Romy, who he's at the back and he's trying to hide. Um, and we're very grateful that God has brought that goal to fruition. You know, he's not changed. He's still working out his purposes, but it's sometimes so hard to see what he's up to, don't you think? When we, as we looked forward and we looked back and we realised, really, that we needed to get into some, back to some kind of normality. This last couple of years has not been normal, has it? And, um, and as we thought about that and prayed about that together, we thought, actually, we want get to get back to loving life again yeah so that was the first half of what became what has become our strap line for this year loving life and then what what should that be it's not been normal has it but actually we just have to trust him in it yeah so loving life and trusting god becomes our theme for this year actually probably for the first year that i've been involved um it didn't take weeks and weeks and weeks it took one meeting which was stunning Usually we, we think about it and we go away and we pray and we come back together and we're still not sure and what have you. But actually we, we all came together very quickly on this and we're very sure that that's what God wanted us for this year to focus on. Loving life, trusting God. And as we looked for uh, a verse for this year, we came across the one that um, Tory brought in Psalm 56 it's actually mentioned twice in Psalm 56. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. And obviously there's so much fear floating around. Uh, and, and we get dragged down into it. Um, and so almost, almost, and certainly my, my kind of, the things we're going to talk about today are, 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 are these three things. Loving life, trusting God, I shall not be afraid. And I'm going to turn it kind of back on its head and we'll start with I shall not be afraid because I think as we look at it that way, we come to living life. We come to finding what it's all about if we can be not afraid and trusting God and then we can begin to love life. Does that make some sense? We'll see what I think. In the news this week, I saw... 
that the COVID-19 situation has been especially stressful for the flat earth society. Would you believe that? (laughs) They fear that the social distancing distancing measures could push people over the edge. (laughs) Tori and I were talking about what what, what I was going to say over lunch the other day, and we were wondering about fear. And what that does to us. Because it's, so, it's not so simple to, just to say, oh, you've just got to trust God. You, you, you know, it, it, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, it's a trite thing. Anybody, anybody could say that, can it? But it's not so easy, is it? We've got to think about how that fear actually is a God-given emotion. It's there for a reason. So it's not about blocking fear out at all. We shouldn't. Because it's there for a good reason. You know, fear that, fear that we could walk down the street and get knocked over, or as parents, if we don't have fear that our, uh, around our children, they would not have the safety that they need while they're growing and learning about life. Fear's a good thing. Providing it doesn't paralyze us. Providing we can see the balancing issues, providing we can learn from that fear and to manage the risks and get on with loving life. The fear thing is a natural emotion, but we are to use that knowledge to make choices. Although some of us have seen so much fear in our lives that we're pre-programmed to overreact to see each fear that we encounter as something that's just insurmountable. This is not how God intended it. He doesn't want you to feel like that. He wants us to grow up in a caring and loving environment we are, where we are protected from the excesses of fear and so that we're able to learn to manage that well. For those of us that didn't have that kind of start in life, it's so much harder to let go of those built-in, pre-programmed responses and learn to find new ways of thinking. I have found prayer and one-to-one counselling has unlocked some of those bad patterns for me. I think we all find our way in those kind of things. Some of us get stuck, sadly. One of the things that makes this hard is the way that our media makes fear and accusations out of absolutely everything. It makes us think the worst of every situation, when most of the time there's no need to be fearful. It brings to mind the verse in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, those of you who already know it, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. If we lean on our own understanding, we get it wrong. We mess up. But if we trust in God, then we, things will start to go right. I believe that one of our biggest obstacles to trusting God is our fears. And that's why they come together in this verse. 
It starts with trust God. I will not be afraid. Yeah, it's written that way. It comes in twice in the psalm. It's telling us, look, you've got to get this right. And before I move on any further, I just want to pray. I want to pray for those who struggle with fear. So can we bow our heads? Lord, would you come? You you say that when two or three are gathered, you are here with us, and we know you are here with us. Would you come and heal those who struggle with fear? If you're one of those people here today, just cry out to God in your heart for healing, for freedom, because that's what he's there for. That's what he promises, that he comes to bring freedom to the captives. So, Father, I ask you to come right now and bless and heal and release and set us free from this thing called fear, that we can get a right balance in it and trust you more. Amen. So as we move on, we move on to trusting God a bit more. When it all seems hopeless, when your plans fall apart, when suffering comes, it reminds me of what Tori read. Can you remember what she read? It starts off with all, um, you know, oh God, they're after me. They're they're, they're coming at me. And then then it says in verses 3 and 4, Um, trust in God and I shall not be afraid. And then it goes on again about how the people are twisting the words. Well, it seems to me that seems to be what's happening in the media all the time, that people's words are twisted. People's, it's just becoming normal in our society and we need to stand against it. But it comes back to, I will trust in God and I shall not be afraid. And I thank you, God, for, for, for setting me free, for releasing me from the captives at the end of that psalm, as so many other psalms do. Um, we see that great story of God winning through. We have to choose to be buried by our, by our circumstances or to look at God and to trust that he's got this. He knows and he's with you. He will make good from the bad that is happening. And that is just impossible to see at that moment, isn't it? When it's all going wrong, you don't see the good, but it's dead easy to see in hindsight. And I, and, and I, I challenge you to look back at things that have gone on in your life, to look back and not see some of the good that comes out of it. But it's absolutely impossible in the moment, and all we can do is cry out. And God is merciful and just. When we went out to adopt Daniel and B, B, who is actually out in Cambodia at the moment, um, we had no idea whether we'd be coming back with them. Uh, it, it might sound a bit mad, international adoption can be a little bit like that, but in this case it was even more complicated, and I'll explain why. Um, 
so we were go- we we'd, we'd we'd felt we'd heard from God. We felt that um, that we were to adopt these two particular children out in Cambodia, um, and we'd got the money together somehow. God had been amazing, and and we were setting off on a plane. And I remember one of the elders in our church at the time saying, "You're amazing people, but I still don't know whether you're going to come back with these kids. You're just going out in faith." Um, and we were like, well, we're just doing what we think God has told us to do. Um, and, and that, but that was where we were at. We didn't know whether we'd come back uh, uh, with them or whether we might have to choose to live in Cambodia and live with them because we felt they were being planted into our family. It seemed even more impossible when we met with the Minister of Social Affairs, who is a bit like, I don't know whether we have a Minister of Social Services, but that kind of level of person in the government. And we met with this guy and, uh, and he said, it can't happen. And the reason for that was that, that Dan, our Daniel was, was age 10 and in the, in the law, anybody who was 10 or above was not allowed to be adopted. So he said, you can have B but you can't have Dan because we, we can't do that. You could, have, you could be his guardian, you could be, but you can't adopt him. And, uh, he, but what he did say was that the only person who could make this happen is the prime minister of the country. So we went home despondent, as you can imagine. We were kind of like, well, what do we do now? We're stuck. But God had a plan. And actually, as we got back to the place where we were staying, there was a phone call. And the phone call was for us, and it was from a man called Martin, who's a German missionary out there. And he said, how's it going? And we explained how it wasn't. And he said, oh, interesting. I've got a friend who's an advisor to to, to the Prime Minister, maybe he could take a letter from you. Would you write a letter so that I could give it to him and he could pass it on? And we're like, how does that happen? And so we did that, and that is exactly what happened. Our letter requesting that the two children be kept together as brother and sister should be was given to the Prime Minister, and the Prime Minister wrote on the bottom of it in blue gel pen, sparkly blue gel pen, <laughs> make this... Make this happen, signed the Prime Minister of Cambodia. God can do the impossible if we trust in him. We could have given up, but we didn't. And that's what God calls us to each day, to choose to walk the path that he's given you. That path, I promise you, is never easy, but he's always good. It's similar now as we look forward into this year and as a church, we have a difficult year ahead. We have no paid pastor and so have a lot less resource to do the things that we would normally do. We could shrug our shoulders and almost give up and say, hey, if we manage to do a Sunday service every week, we'll do well. Couldn't we? But instead, as a team, we look at this as an opportunity an opportunity to grow, a time to let others grow and take a lead that perhaps they've not been able to do before in new things. Together, we are church, and together, we can all see God do amazing things through us.
Yeah? Oh, we're getting one or two people, yeah? Yeah, okay. And as we prayed over our goals, what we might want to see happen in this coming year, bearing in mind um, the situation we're in, we actually brought quite a big list to God. Of course, finding a new pastor is high on that prayer list. Absolutely. Getting our kids' work back to being weekly is also high on that list. There are other things about a growing AV team so that we can maintain what we're doing. But the other thing we really want to develop is our pastoral care. It's something that's been in our hearts probably for a couple of years. And now with Romy here, we have an opportunity. We can put the resource into the places needed and expand that area of our church. And I believe even with a new pastor coming in, that is just building some of the foundations that we need good for any church to run well. I believe that if we care for one another through our life groups, our small groups, and one-to-one, we'll all have the strength to deal with what life throws at us. It's this loving your neighbour as as yourself, as, as, as Jesus' commands to us, that really gets me going. You might be thinking, I know, I know that, I'm, that I'm rubbish at this on a daily basis, but I'm trying, and that's all anyone can ask. It's all God asks of us. The big difference between those who are following Jesus and those who are not has to be that we are trying to be better people today than we were yesterday. That's all we can do. And it's a lifelong journey. We need to trust that God knows what he's doing and he's got it all in his plan. Just like we did with Daniel and B. As I was preparing, I just need a drink. As I was preparing for this, the verse in 1 John 4, verse 18 came to mind. Perfect love casts out fear. And when I read the passage again, I find it says it much, much better than I can. Surprise, surprise. It starts, so I'm reading um, a section of it. So it's from, if you want to look it up, it's in 1 John 4. Verse 11 through to 21. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. 
God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have the confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So it's all about love. Perfect love drives out fear, and the only person who has perfect love is our God. However, we are his hands and his feet. He shows his love through us and through using us. We need to be open to that. What is it that God wants you to do for him today, or maybe this year, as you're thinking of New Year's resolutions? Have a think. We need to look after one another. I believe that we will grow together as a church this year as we rub the edges off each other, as we love each other for who we are and care for one another. We need to belong. We need to be a part of something, as I spoke about a month ago. Talk about belonging. You know, loneliness is a bad thing. And yet I think our society pushes people into, into that, into being isolated. I'm just reminded of something that I, that I read um, in preparation for that, for that uh, preach I did a, couple, a few weeks ago. People who are most satisfied in life are those that they feel they truly belong to a community with people they trust and know that they are trusted to. to. Huh, don't know why that wouldn't come out. And know that they are trusted too. I pray for our church, for our community, that we'll all grow in this, this year and not be afraid. So as we come now to communion, as we're to take the bread and the wine together, I believe we're joined together, as when we take communion together, we are joined together, spiritually. And I had no idea earlier what Grim was going to say at all. But the passage is, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on the list. But there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs on them. So let us pray. Lord, we therefore pray for our community here in Dorchester, 
We pray that we can reach out to them in 2022 to bring people into a greater relationship with you, but also in conjunction with the other charities and churches in our area to support those in greatest need, the homeless, people with physical and mental health issues, people struggling to support themselves with food and housing, people living alone, and young people struggling with education and finding work. We also pray for our wider world. We pray for countries facing issues of starvation and lack of clean water. We pray for countries with civil wars that they can find peace. We especially think of the children caught up in these conflicts. We pray for people facing persecution, including the many Christians unable to openly worship you, Lord. And we bring our individual thoughts to you, Lord, in a time of quiet. I've been asked to include Graham in our prayers, but we'll just have a moment or two to offer those people to God that we have on our own hearts. We have so much to thank you for, Lord, so encourage us to share what we have more generously with those in need. And I'll close with another reading from the message. I'm using the message version of the Lord's Prayer, which is slightly odd in places, but uh, perhaps you'll forgive me for that. Pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best, as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze with beauty. Amen.